This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Ukraine's president, Vladimir Zelensky, thumbed his nose at Russia by addressing the leaders of the G19 at the G20 summit in Indonesia. In a video address, Mr. Zelensky called for Russia's aggressive war against his country to end justly. A stronger-than-expected draft resolution is circulating at the conference, which opened on Tuesday, stating that most members strongly condemn the war in Ukraine. President Joe Biden rejected the idea of a new Cold War with China and said he believed Taiwan faced no imminent threat of invasion. The remarks came after a three-hour meeting with his Chinese counterpart Xi Jinping, ahead of the G20 summit. Antony Blinken, America's Secretary of State, will visit Beijing early next year to follow up on the talks. G20 countries announced a $20 billion fund to help Indonesia use less coal. In return, Indonesia promised that its power sector CO2 emissions will peak at 290 million tonnes by 2030, seven years earlier than previously forecast. The package of grants and concessional loans from public and private sources, is modelled on an $8.5 billion deal struck with South Africa last year. Another Donald Trump-endorsed election denier fell to defeat in America's midterm elections, as Katie Hobbs beat Carrie Lake, the Republican candidate, to become the first Democratic governor of Arizona since 2006. Republicans did, however, hold on to two congressional seats in California and one in New York putting them one win away from wresting control of the House of Representatives from the Democrats. Federal prosecutors in New York opened an investigation into the collapse of FTX, after the crypto exchange filed for bankruptcy amid a rush of customer withdrawals. The probe will examine whether FTX lent customers money to Almeida Research, a crypto trading company also owned by Sam Bankman-Fried two of America's regulators, the Securities and Exchange Commission and the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, have already launched similar investigations. Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett's investment firm, revealed it took an estimated 4 to $5 billion stake in TSMC, a Taiwanese chipmaker, in the third quarter. The purchase is further proof that Mr. Buffett, who once made a habit of passing on tech shares, is shifting his view. Berkshire's largest investment, $126.5 billion, is now in Apple. TSMC's share price, on a year-long decline, rose by 9% on the news. Amazon will lay off around 10,000 employees in its technology, human resources and retail divisions, according to the New York Times. The redundancies, slated to begin this week, represent 3% of the e-commerce giant's workforce and the largest such cut in its history. It follows similar moves by Meta, Twitter and Lyft, as America's big tech industry grapples with the possibility of a looming recession. And fact of the day. 10.4 billion, the size at which the global population is expected to peak, sometime between 2080 and 2100. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. 
Jokowi plays statesman at the G20. Its Indonesian host, President Joko Widodo, calls this G20 summit, which begins on Tuesday, the quote most difficult yet. Motivated by domestic issues, Jokowi, as he is known, has rarely cared for the global stage. But dialogue is his new mantra. Jokowi tried hard to get Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, and Volodymyr Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, to join him at the luxury hotel in Bali. Instead, both are staying away. But Western leaders may yet boycott a photo shoot if Sergei Lavrov, Russia's foreign minister, insists on joining. Reports on Monday that he is unwell were dismissed by the Kremlin as quote fake news. Elsewhere, little progress is expected around issues of global governance, and despite Jokowi's efforts to create a genial atmosphere, the worsening relationship between China and America is the elephant in the ballroom. A meeting between their presidents, Xi Jinping and Joe Biden, on Monday was a dialogue of sorts, but their list of gripes is extensive. The world's eight billionth person. On Tuesday, the world reaches a milestone. The global population, according to UN projections, will reach eight billion. Twelve years have passed since the world passed the seven billion milestone, and six billion was passed twelve years before that. The rate of growth has fallen. This year, the population is forecast to have risen by just 0.8 percent, the slowest rate since the 1950s, and a third of the peak in 1963. Women are choosing to have fewer children, and between now and 2050, the UN thinks 61 countries will see their populations fall by at least one percent. The global population is like a train: slam the brakes on, and it stops, but only eventually. According to the UN, it will take 15 years to add the next billion people, and 21 to reach the billion after that. The world is coming to an inflection point. The moment of growth that has prevailed since the 1950s is being replaced by stability and stasis. Donald Trump runs again. Quote, "I will very, very, very probably do it again," said Donald Trump this month at a rally in Sioux City, Iowa. On Tuesday, Mr. Trump will make his intention to run for president in 2024 official, at least very, very, very probably. America's former president may be motivated by more than politics. Returning to the White House could protect him from some of the legal cases that are mounting against him. Originally, he wanted to announce his bid on the eve of the midterms, but Republican leaders talked him down. Given the underwhelming performance of Trump-endorsed candidates, advisers have reportedly encouraged him to delay again. Mr. Trump may see an advantage in entering the field ahead of Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, and Mike Pence, his former vice president. Boosted by the Democrats' better-than-expected results, President Joe Biden wants another run too. A contest between Mr. Biden and Mr. Trump would be a grudge match almost nobody wants. Benjamin Netanyahu's path to power. On Tuesday, the 120 politicians elected on November 1st as members of Israel's parliament will meet for the first time in Jerusalem. For now, Benjamin Netanyahu, a former prime minister, is still the leader of the opposition. Mr. Netanyahu has been endorsed by a majority of the Knesset's incoming members. On Sunday, he received a mandate from Israel's president Isaac Herzog to form a new government. But his route back to the prime minister's office is not simple. First, he must sign coalition agreements with the assortment of far-right and religious parties who comprise his majority.
They have a long list of demands, including legislation that would weaken the Supreme Court and funding for Jewish schools. Hardliners also want to control important ministries including defense, public security, education, and finance. Many Israelis would balk at that. Having fought so hard to win a majority, Mr. Netanyahu may struggle to control it. Walmart rides the inflation roller coaster. On Tuesday, Walmart is due to report its latest quarterly results. The American supermarket giant spooked investors earlier this year with a series of profit warnings as rising fuel and food prices led consumers to cut back spending on other items. That forced Walmart to sell excess stock at a discount, crimping its margins. Markets sensed a bad omen for the wider economy. Since then, the firm has staged a robust recovery. Its share price is back where it was in January, despite the falling stock market. Inflation in America is coming down, easing pressure on customers' wallets, but remains high enough that wealthier shoppers are still turning to Walmart for bargains. The beast of Bentonville is also toughening up with suppliers and pushing back on price rises. A good quarter for Walmart, in other words, does not necessarily mean a good quarter for everyone else. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday Berkshire, Hampshire, and Duroc are all breeds of what animal? Monday. Which painter, a close associate of the writer Lytton Strachey, was portrayed by Emma Thompson in a 1995 biopic? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Jawaharlal Nehru, who was born on this day in 1889. Time is not measured by the passing of years, but by what one does, what one feels, and what one achieves. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download the Economist app to start listening.